This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. I'm Todd McComas, and welcome to the show that makes your life easier. How do we do that? By gathering up the day's top crime stories and delivering them to you in a neatly gift-wrapped package with a sweet little bow on top. And don't worry, our crime stories are way more topical than my Christmas reference. By the way, Happy New Year. This first week will be a bit of a departure from the rest of the year because we're kicking things off with a recap of all the top crime stories from 2023. So now that you know what to expect, here's my lead in. A shitbag attorney reaps generational havoc, a hero falls from grace, a small town tragedy turns into a media circus, and a serial killer's acronym that sounds like a speech impediment. All coming up on this Day in Crime. Alex Murdoch captivated the world's attention as we watched him become the most hated attorney, husband, and father of the 21st century. His saga began on June 7, 2021 with the shocking murders of his wife Maggie and his younger son Paul at the family's hunting lodge. Both had been shot to death. Alex Murdoch was the person who notified police and claimed to have found their bodies. But investigators quickly became concerned by the inconsistencies in his statements and began to question his involvement in their deaths. Then we all became suspicious after the doc series Low Country revealed the sordid details of the Murdoch family's troubled past. Alex Murdoch's murdered son, Paul, had been accused of drunkenly crashing a boat in February of 2019, a crash that resulted in the death of his friend and former classmate, Mallory Beach. There was also speculation that his older son, Buster, was involved in the death of 19-year-old Stephen Smith in July of 2015. This speculation surrounded rumors that Buster and Stephen had a sexual relationship that Buster would much rather keep a secret. And while Alex Murdoch tried to contain leaks regarding his financial misdealings and drug abuse, someone tried to whack him. Or so we thought. Alex reported that someone tried to shoot him while he was changing a tire on his car, and miraculously, the bullet merely grazed him. But once again, his story stunk worse than baby farts. So investigators challenged his bullshit account. And they were right. Alex was not a victim. He was trying to escape this world that was crumbling down around him. He confessed to arranging for a man who was a terrible shot to kill him so that his older son Buster could collect on a $10 million life insurance policy. So Alex was arrested, bonded out, and then immediately checked himself into drug rehab, which is a pro move. Gotta start laying down that groundwork for not being in control of your mental faculties. As for his accomplice, 61-year-old Curtis Edward Smith, AKA the worst hitman of all time, he was also arrested for his role in this hilariously stupid ass plan. Then we learned about Gloria Satterfield, she was the Murdoch's housekeeper who died after tripping over the Murdoch's dog and violently falling down the stairs inside the Murdoch's home. 
a tragic accident that Gloria's family later discovered paid out an insurance settlement of $4.3 million, of which the family didn't receive a penny, but of which Alex Murdaugh received 400.3 million pennies. That'll make your eye twitch. He stole $4.3 million from her family. And that's not me saying that. The police said that. And they charged him accordingly. But that was just the beginning. Turns out he stole from a lot of clients to the tune of $8.5 million over 11 years, which earned him an additional 71 felony counts. And finally, after he and the worst hitman in history caught multiple drug charges for another one of their brilliant schemes, Alex Murdahl was indicted for the murders of his wife and son. The murder trial began on January 23rd, 2023. And on March 2nd, it took the jury less than three hours to find him guilty of both murders. The following day, he received two consecutive life sentences and he was ordered to return the world's number one dad coffee mug he got the previous Christmas. By the end of 2023, Alex Murdahl pled guilty to a shit ton of other state and federal charges all related to financial crimes he committed and for which he received an additional 27 years in prison. And I do not want to belittle that additional prison time because those victims deserve justice as well. But at this point, I think we're all just waiting on this guy to confess to the murder of his housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, because that would mean we can finally put this monster to bed and we'd get one more season of Murdaugh Murders on Netflix. They say, don't meet your heroes. Well, Dr. Henry Lee has been a hero to cops and forensic folks for as long as I can remember. Hell, the Criminal Justice and Forensic Sciences College at the University of New Haven is named after him. But as we learned in July of 2023, the only thing we'll see his name on from this day forward is a shit ton of wrongful conviction lawsuits. It was like a dagger to my heart when I learned this hero of mine was found liable for fabricating evidence. He lied in a murder case, a murder case that sent two Connecticut men to prison for decades for a crime they did not commit. Ralph Birch and Sean Henning were convicted in the December 1st, 1985 murder of 65-year-old Eric Carr in New Milford, Connecticut. Here's what happened. Ralph and Sean were known burglars in that area at the time of Carr's murder. Police knew that. But other than that, there was no forensic evidence that linked them to this break-in or murder. And listen, this was an extremely bloody crime scene. Carr was stabbed 27 times, he was beaten to the head, and his throat had been cut. Not to be graphic, but this scene looked like a slaughterhouse. But shortly after the body was found, police grabbed up Ralph and Sean, and there wasn't one speck of blood on either of them. So at trial, defense experts argued there was no way these two men could have committed this murder and then fled the scene without any trace of the victim's blood on their person which is a pretty damn good argument. But they were convicted, and convicted in large part due to Dr. Lee's testimony that it was totally possible for them to have murdered Carr and to not have blood on them this soon after the fact, because he claimed that he found a towel in a bathroom near the scene that according to the test he conducted himself, contained blood stains. So he testified that these two men could have simply cleaned themselves with this towel before leaving the victim's home and thus removing any detectable trace of blood on their persons. 
which I realize sounds crazy, but this was 1985, so different world. Now, a test done after the trial, when the men were appealing their convictions, showed conclusively the substance on that towel was not blood. And in a review of the original investigation, Dr. Lee's own experts concluded that there was no written documentation or photographic evidence that Dr. Lee ever performed this blood test, indicating he lied. Because if he had performed the test, he too would have learned that these stains did not contain blood. So both convictions were vacated in 2020 and the civil suit against Lee and eight police officers has now been set for trial. And this is why this story is such a big freaking deal. Dr. Lee was the most famous forensic scientist in the world. From his testimony in the OJ trial, to his work on the JonBenet Ramsey case, to the Scott Peterson trial, to the murder trial of record producer Phil Spector, to countless other high profile cases, Dr. Lee's expert opinion has been helping to convict people of violent crimes for over 50 years. So now we have to ask ourselves, if we can't trust his testimony in any of those cases, how many innocent people has he helped put in prison? This guy could turn out to be the worst thing that's happened to the U.S. justice system since the Salem witch trials. If you're a Tenderfoot Plus subscriber, keep enjoying your ad-free experience. For everyone else, we'll be right back after this break. Let's move to Delphi, Indiana, my neck of the woods, where in June of 2023, the state presented new evidence against the man they claim is responsible for one of the most heinous crimes in Indiana history, the Delphi murders. 13-year-old Abigail Abby Williams and 14-year-old Liberty Libby German were found brutally murdered along a hiking trail on Valentine's Day, 2017. And on October 26, 2022, the Indiana State Police arrested Delphi resident and local pharmacy employee Richard Allen for both murders. And while the Indiana State Police and the prosecutor's office have managed to keep nearly all of the intimate details of Abby and Libby's murders concealed from the public, in June of 2023, they dropped a potential bombshell. They released a court document alleging that on April 3rd, 2023, Richard Allen, during a recorded call to his wife from a correctional facility, admitted that no less than five times that he did, in fact, kill Abby and Libby. Also released in 2023 was a probable cause affidavit that stated an unspent 40 caliber round was found less than two feet away from one of the girl's bodies and that ballistics analysis confirmed that particular unspent round was cycled through a gun owned by Richard Allen, the first piece of physical evidence that ties him to the scene. Both of these findings are huge for the state's case. So how would Allen's defense team respond? Well, here comes the circus. After the release of these documents and the incriminating evidence mentioned within them, a former employee and friend of one of Allen's defense attorneys purposely leaked graphic photos of the crime scene. Mitch Westerman gave these photos to a man in Fishers, Indiana, who in turn shared them with a the man in Texas. And the man in Texas shared them with a bunch of YouTubers and podcasters. Now I'm a podcaster, but this was bullshit. It hurts the case and it definitely hurts the family. So police charged Westerman with criminal conversion for taking unauthorized control of the photos. But unfortunately, the damage he caused 
couldn't be undone. And I'm guessing the man who helped him get these photos into the wrong hands agreed because after being interviewed by police, he took his own life. Outraged by this heinous act, and obviously suspecting Allen's defense attorneys were at best dangerously reckless with sensitive materials and information pertaining to this case, the judge ordered them to be removed from it. But that seemed to only add fuel to the fire because now the case has devolved into a complete legal shit show in Indiana's highest court. Because Allen has not only filed a request to reinstate his attorneys, but also to remove the judge from this case. Plus, they've been forced to deal with claims from Allen's attorneys that investigators and the prosecutor have ignored what they refer to as obvious evidence that links the girl's murders to several white nationalists who practice the religion Odinism. In a 136-page memorandum, they claim these Odinists ritualistically sacrificed these girls and that the state offered no evidence linking Allen to Odinism or any religious cult for that matter. So on that basis, they're claiming that the search warrant for Allen's property should be nullified and that all evidence obtained as the result of that search warrant, including the gun connecting him to the murder scene, should be ruled inadmissible as fruit of the poisonous tree. And unfortunately, because of this giant cluster fork in the road, Allen's trial has been pushed all the way back to October of 2024. And I'm hopeful, short of his defense team finding new evidence that vampires or lizard people were involved, that trial date is set in stone. But we'll keep you updated. And finally, let's go to Long Island, New York, where a series of unsolved killings known as the Gilgo Beach Murders terrorized residents and baffled police for over a decade. The disappearance of a woman in 2010 led to the discovery of not only her remains, but also 10 others. A grisly discovery that launched the hunt for a serial killer. The Long Island serial killer, Lisk. On July 13, 2023, 59-year-old New York architect Rex Hureman was arrested and charged with the murder of three of the four women who became known as the Gilgo Four. And man, does this guy look the part. I don't want to judge a book by its cover, but if he was a book, and that book was titled The Long Island Serial Killer, I'd say, wow, God really nailed that cover. He was indicted on one count of first-degree murder and one count of second-degree murder in the killings of Melissa Bartholomew in 2009 and Megan Waterman and Amber Costello in 2010. Hewerman, who entered a plea of not guilty, is also the prime suspect in the 2007 disappearance and death of a fourth woman, Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Hewerman was identified as a suspect in early 2022 after his Chevrolet Avalanche matched the vehicle seen at Amber Costello's home near the time of her disappearance. And I'm sure after other investigative leads made him stand out from other possible persons of interest. But once they were on to him, they conducted surveillance on him and his family. And on one particular day, they saw Hewerman throw away some leftover pizza. So they got a search warrant for his trash, examined a piece of pizza crust, and boom, they had his DNA profile. So they compared his profile to a male profile obtained from the tarp used to wrap Megan Waterman's body, and boom, it was a match. And with that, investigators got a warrant, marched over to his office in Manhattan, and arrested him. Easy peasy, make sure the cuffs are tight when you squeezy. Now, I don't think this came as much of a shock, but six days after his arrest, Hureman's wife filed for divorce. But what did come as a shock was that according to Hureman's attorney, 
His wife said she doesn't believe her husband is capable of such acts. And what came as an even bigger shock was that police later released the fact that his wife's DNA was also found on some of the Gilgo Beach victims. So what does that mean? All I know is that she hasn't been charged yet in connection with any of the murders and that she signed a deal with a production company for an upcoming documentary. So regardless of how this new development shakes out, I'm sure we're gonna see her on TV real soon. That's all I have for today, but let me introduce you to the host of tomorrow's episode, Laura Benson. Thanks, Todd. Join me every Tuesday and Thursday for the day's top true crime news. Tomorrow, I'll be continuing our recap of 2023 with some of the year's most chilling and bizarre stories. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening to This Day in Crime. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Burning Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening.